G'day, g'day guys. Now before we dive into today's show, I want to let you know that some of you may be aware that over the past eight years, I have built a substantial multifamily real estate portfolio here in the US worth over half a billion dollars. And in that time, my passive investors have received fantastic double digit returns. And now you too can invest directly into my deals for as little as $50,000. So if you're an interested investor, head over to reedgoosens.com to find out more. That's reedgoosens.com. Now back into the show. So we know most people sell their house whenever they have a divorce. Most people sell their house whenever a family member passes away. Most people sell their house if they have uh, 35% or more equity, those kind of attributes. And then we would combine all of those and say to our program, Go out and find people that look very similar to those people that we know have sold, that their Facebook profile looks very similar, and then tell us who they are today that haven't sold yet, but have a very similar data profile, this Facebook profile that I keep referring to. And 95% of the people that it spat out whenever we would ask for a list of 500 to 1,000 people actually ended up selling their house in 6 to 12 months. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show.
Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Paul Wakem. Paul got started in the real estate industry back in 2016 when he started a real estate photography business. But then Paul went on to co-found a company called Town Square, which uses a specific algorithm to predict when sellers are going to sell their properties. Through a lot of trial and error, Paul ended up with a version of Town Square that is it today. And it's the premier off-market property deposition tool that connects real estate investors with one another. And eventually, they want to become the biggest or the largest institutional buyer in the world. Their goal is to support sellers, investors, and buyers of all sizes through world-class technology. I'm really excited to have him on the show today to share his incredible insight and knowledge, but enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Paul. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Reed. I, uh, I've been a fan of yours, as we said before the show. I've been a fan of yours for a while after you sent me an email to get me on your uh, email newsletter, and I'm uh, I'm very happy to be here. I'm looking forward to talking to you about all things real estate and Town Square. Well, mate, I back at you. I was you were just having a really interesting conversation in the green room. Uh, you know, clearly we're on the same wavelength in terms of juices flowing. So um, I think this is going to be a great conversation. But to get started, let's rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. Yeah, I started out whenever I was in middle school before I could drive, uh, pushing a lawnmower and a leaf blower and a weed whacker up and down my street, uh, doing landscaping and cutting grass and spreading mulch for my neighbors. And that thankfully turned into a pretty large business throughout uh, high school as I could drive. And um, I never really had a job working for anybody else like most of my friends did uh, in high school. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it was landscaping, nice. knocking on people's doors, cutting grass. I tell you what, the amount of people who've come on this show, you know, particularly American people, it seems like as young boys, it's like, here, get out and do some hard yakka, as they say in Australia, yeah. and yeah. Um, you know, get on the tools and, and earn a bit of dough. So awesome stuff. Um, now walk us through the journey into who you are today. There's probably a bit of a, you know, I mentioned earlier you had a photography business, but yep. You know, it sounds like you've had entrepreneurial genes in your, you know, in your veins for a little bit of time. How did it all come about? Yeah. So whenever I went to college, uh, I got into the world of buying and selling sneakers of all things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and Gary Vee, your heart out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, the craziest story that I have around selling sneakers is uh, a friend of mine. He and I were both trying to get the uh, Yeezy Red October sneakers, mm -hmm. uh, Kanye's sneakers, whenever he was still with Nike. And they were the all red pair. Yep. And um, he ended up getting them, my friend in college. He ended up getting them. And I, I was kind of like looking over his shoulder. I got to hold this pair of sneakers that he paid 250 bucks for. And he turned around and sold them immediately. But whenever he was trying to sell them, a guy offered him $10,000 cash for this pair of sneakers. Those sneakers today are worth even more than that. Wow. So he showed up to the meet to get $10,000 in cash right outside the University of Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania. And the guy said, listen, man, I don't have the 10,000 in cash, but do you see the Cadillac CTS behind me? I will give you the car that I drove here in for that pair of 10 and a half size, all red sneakers. And my friend was like, dude, no way. I'm a college kid. I don't, I don't need a car. I can walk to class. Uh, so it was landscaping to crazy stories in the in the sneaker world to uh, whenever I graduated college, it was right around the time that Casey Neistat was becoming a, a really big name on YouTube. And I was totally obsessed with his message. Um, 
and all of his drone shots. So my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, uh, she bought me a drone of DJI Phantom four for my, uh, graduation present. And it, uh, it spiraled into what has become a very successful real estate photography company. It's still based back home in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, and that's really what got my start in real estate. So landscaping, sneakers, and then real estate photography. Well, you mentioned someone who's actually I've been following for probably nearly a decade now, and that is Mr. Neistat. He is uh, yeah. he's a legend. Uh, if, if he, for if, sure. If people who don't are listening to this show and like, who the hell is Casey Neistat, just go, uh, I think it's C-A-S-E-Y and Neistat, N-I-E-S-T-A-T or something like that. Incredible yeah. content creator uh, who lives in New York City. Uh, I've been following for many, many years. Got a great story about like your know, young dad. I'd love to have him on the show if he's ever out there. So um, I don't, yep. I'll have to probably pay a bit of an arm and leg to get him on the show. But <laughs> but it's interesting you follow that type of you know even as a I'm a non real he's a non real estate guy, but he's got such a lot of good messaging and 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 I could see how you were attracted to his way of photography because you know I, for for a split second there I tried probably back in 2015 or 16 <clears throat> to try and emulate like weekly videos. Yeah. Not, not on his level, but like to try and do some educational stuff. And he's got way too freaking hard. And yeah. I was like, you know, fuck this. I'm like, you know, putting on a camera, putting on like, you know, making sure you don't have like a freaking pimple or, you know, something. Yeah, it, was just, yep. it was like way too much. And I, that's why I got into podcasting. But it's yeah. uh, it's funny that you also used his him as inspiration to, to start totally. a company. So yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a humongous inspiration. I uh one day I hope to sit down with Casey and shake his hand and say, listen, man, I, I was at the time whenever I started the photography company, I was working as a bike mechanic uh mm-hmm. part-time. I was working as an intern at a uh, biology lab. Um and then I was also trying to start a digital marketing company. And then I started the photography company and like for better or worse, the message that Casey put out was like, just keep going, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And I kept trying and kept trying and kept trying. Um, and then I finally realized how to focus that effort on one of those strings that I was able to pull, which was yep. the photography business. So one day, one day we'll both get to sit down with Casey and say, oh, yeah. hey, thank well, you. <laughs> whenever you get the invite, probably more quicker than I will, uh, make sure you, I got uh, you. You, you, you ping me on the, uh, give me a message. But uh, I will, I will. But I mate, promise you, met- you that much. You mentioned a lot of things there, you know, interning at a lab and, you know, it sounds like you're a very curious mind, a curious being. Um, For sure. How, how does it? How does one come to, you know, talk about a little bit about the sort of throwing the spaghetti against the wall? And we're going to get into the real estate part of it, but this yep. is all around mindset because so many people when they do start, and, and, and this show is all about, about real estate, but it's also about being an entrepreneur and, and, and finding what that string is. But yep. it takes a lot of, you know, some analogies, fishing lines in the water, spaghetti against the wall, you know, yep. whatever you want to, but, but the keep going attitude. Was there a time when you thought, fuck this and I'm going to just go get a, you know, nine to five? Yeah, definitely. So while I was selling sneakers in college, I I did really, really well my freshman year of college and I had a 4.0 and then I transferred from one college to another because I thought, you know, I shouldn't be at this small school. I should go be, uh, I should go try and get a doctorate at this larger school that is the University of Pittsburgh, which has an amazing medical school, uh, an amazing biology program. And I thought, okay, I can get a 4.0 at a small school. Let me go to this bigger school. And 
for a time there in my end of my freshman year through my junior year of college, I thought, all right, I'm going to become a doctor. I was trying to get a degree in economics as well as a biology degree degree, uh, and go pre-med. And I kind of wrote off the idea of being an entrepreneur while I was selling sneakers. It was just like a fun thing to do. It was something that my friends and I enjoyed doing together. But um, I guess it was like the promise of sometime in my 30s, I'll be able to make $400,000 a year. And as a, a college kid, that's like unbelievable. I, I have to do that. Let me go down that guaranteed path. But uh, yeah, as I realized what the quote unquote, the system had to offer me, um, I, I quickly rebelled and went back to my entrepreneurial roots. Did you finish your degree? Yeah. So I have a degree in economics. I met my so when I met my wife, uh, she said, you don't want a degree in economics and a degree in biology. You need to get out of school as soon as possible. And she saved me hands down 100%. She saved me from going to school for five, six, seven years, and then going to get uh, my doctorate um, and really put me back on the tracks of where I want to be, which is uh, controlling the direction of my life rather than being in <laughs> in in the the field of a doctor and right. following the line that everybody else has been on right no it's 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 so common to this podcast to my story to a lot of people's stories out there about following the path that you know the parents are like go to school get a good job and and you you mentioned the word guaranteed path and i think that's such a you know ingrained sense of who we are but i would ha- I, I i would be misspoken to not say that going to university going through that pain of doing four years does teach you an element of discipline. Yeah. And as much as people, you know, want to shit all over tertiary education, I think it's it, it helps you grow as a human as well. You know, it gives yep. you skill sets that, okay, I now know what I don't want to do, you know, yeah. or, or I find I, I discover other people who think like I'd think, like selling sneakers or your wife and stuff like that. So <laughs> there is there is benefits for it in someone's life at a certain point when they're ready for it. So, um, yeah, awesome stuff. But let's let, let's get into the nuts and bolts of what we're on here to talk about. Town Square. Yeah. So, how did that come about? And 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 you know, you, I mentioned algorithm in the introduction. So, do you have a coding background as well that we're not even talking about? <laughs> so, I, I definitely am curious. You hit the nail on the head with that. So, um, I'll, I'll give the the brief overview on how we got to Town Square. So. Graduated from college, got the drone as my graduation gift through a bunch of different steps in the process. We built, my wife and I built a very large, successful real estate photography business. Um, We photograph um, sometimes slightly under, sometimes slightly over 25% of all the listings in Western Pennsylvania. Wow. Um, Yeah. So super happy about the progress that we made there. And it was like my first foray into holding myself accountable because my clients were holding me accountable and, you know, having an actual big business, hiring employees, dealing with accountants, dealing with attorneys, blah, blah, blah. Um, But as I was the primary photographer, I got exposure to to real estate agents, high-end real estate investors, top of the line flippers, developers, all these different people. And it like re-sparked this interest that I had in investing in real estate and just understanding real estate as a, as a whole. Um, and then I started to realize that as I was talking to, I have photographed probably close to six or 7,000 homes. Um, and I would talk to the homeowners each time. So it was this perfect pressure cooker of I'm really interested in real estate and I'm hearing why homeowners are selling their houses. 
at the exact same time, I was also understanding um, what data was available on the MLS and from places like Core Logic and from places like Adam Data. And I decided that I was going to hire a coach uh, from the UK to teach me how to code in Python so that I could combine all those different things that were putting pressure on me at the time to create an algorithm to predict who was going to sell their house next. And that was right around the middle of 2018, so about two years after graduating college. Um, and I built a very, very, very rudimentary system. Uh, it's hard to call it an algorithm um, to predict who was going to sell their house. It led me to buying and selling a bunch of houses. And it really started my real estate investing career. Um, but fast forwarding a little bit more to where I'm at today with Town Square. Town Square as a technology company, the VC backed startup that we're uh, pushing really hard down that was all started in the middle of 2019. Whenever I introduced my algorithm to my friend that I met while rock climbing, uh, Mitch. Uh, Mitch is our CTO and Mitch really knows how to code. I don't really know how to code. Um, and right before COVID hit, we built one hell of an algorithm that had 95% accuracy that really pushed us down the path of uh, real estate investing and real estate technology. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we went through the, we went through the overview pretty quick and pretty high level, but Mitch and coding really is what started out Town Square and started us down the path of how we got to where we are today. That's that's that's, inc that's incredible journey. And it's only recently, right? It's only very, you know, you've gone through so many iterations of what you're trying to do. And it's kudos to you for keep, you know, keep being curious, because I think that, you know, back to what, you know, talking about Casey, not Casey Neistat saying, keep keep pulling on those strings until you find someone. Um, yep. But but as a former engineer myself, I not not in the not in the tech space, in the physical space, um, yep. I, I'm, I'm interested 95% accuracy, what does that even mean? What are you measuring? How do you know? What's the algorithm testing for when you're trying to predict if someone's ready to sell the house, and if they're an investor or if they're just a you know a homeowner, they're just looking to you know move the family up in up in the world. Yeah. So all of the predictions that we did, and I should say that today, Town Square is doing no predictions whatsoever. We've pivoted many times. We've gone through many different iterations of the business, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, but. Back then, in middle of 2019, through the pandemic, <clears throat> what we were doing was, you can kind of think of it like Facebook profiles, or think of it like a, a giant spreadsheet where each row on your spreadsheet is the name of a homeowner in Allegheny County around Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And then each column, say there's a thousand columns, there's 500,000 single family homes in Allegheny County, and there's like... 400 different attributes that are the columns of each homeowner. Um, we would look at the historical data and say, show me all the columns of people who have sold in the last five years. Show me all the rows of all the people that have sold in the last five years, and then build a profile for all the people and all of their similarities. So we know most people sell their house whenever they have a divorce. Most people sell their house whenever a family member passes away. Most people sell their house if they have uh, 35% or more equity, those kind of attributes. Hmm. And then we would combine all of those and say to our program, go out and find people that look very similar to those people that we know have sold, that their Facebook profile looks very similar, um, and then tell us who they are today that haven't sold yet, but have a very similar data profile, this Facebook profile that I keep referring to. Um, and 
95% of the people that it spat out whenever we would ask for a list of 500 to 1,000 people actually ended up selling their house in six to 12 months. So that's where the 95% accuracy comes from. Got it, got it. And what you mentioned iterations of the business. How are you iterating today to make to create that platform? Because it seems like a lot of prop tech, a lot of technology companies are all using the Facebook you know, blueprint, which is create a profile, create a marketplace, that marketplace you can connect with others, yeah, you can go do business, right? That's 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 the underlying theme. Whether it's business, whether it being social interactions, whether it being, you know, poking someone. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if poking yeah. even still exists. But yeah, the, these are the things that that most you think of LinkedIn, you think of Instagram, you think of any tech platform creates a profile. Yeah. So, what is now? How are you building that profile and that platform that people want to be on? Because as a as a buyer or a seller or an investor, you have to provide me value, right? Like back yeah. in the day, Facebook was providing value as a social social you know, social media in terms of you know making sure that people are connecting online. So what what's your draw for the average investor to say, well, why the hell would I want to go on you know Town Square? Um, or if I you know can, can go find another platform, and is there other platforms out there? Yeah, yeah. So to answer that last question real quick, we do have competition. There are platforms that are trying to do something similar to us. And then real quick to just describe the the portion of the real estate industry that we're operating in, it's really the like off market small multifamily single family flipper uh, type of the industry or sector of the industry. And I really think Reed, that that sector that we're in, maybe I'm biased, I probably am, but I really think that that world of selling single family homes and selling properties that are very much candidates for the MLS, but selling them off market is really like the last frontier where technology hasn't touched yet. And our goal is to provide world-class technology on the bleeding edge of this frontier, lots of buzzwords, <laughs> yeah. um, but provide world-class technology to the investors that control that last uncontrolled part of the real estate industry. So what exactly does that mean? Town Square is a marketplace at its core for off-market properties, typically single-family homes and small multifamilies. We're branching more and more into the commercial property space, the large multifamily space, but it's a marketplace for those smaller investment-grade properties. But it's not just a marketplace where people can just dump their property and say, okay, somebody hopefully will come buy it, like Zillow or like some other companies. What we're doing in addition to that is we're offering tools to the investors to enhance their listings, to enhance their posts, as we call them, uh, after they've been posted on Town Square. So a couple of those tools are, or a couple of places that we provide value through those tools is you can upload your properties, but you can also upload lists of your contacts from your network and you can send directly from our system send a really nicely formatted email to all of your contacts to say, hey, all of my real estate investing friends, <clears throat> my property is for sale. Let me know if you're interested. We can work together on this. Let me know if you want to buy it or let me know if you know somebody that wants to buy it. So it's like a marketing engine built into the marketplace. But then the, the gem in our crown, the thing that really sets us apart and that we're really proud of 
is what we call post sharing. So we had this epiphany where if you have your property on town square on the marketplace, that's one really important entity. And then you have your list of all the people in your network. You have that on town square. If everybody has both of those super important entities, we should allow them to share those entities with one another back and forth. So post sharing on town square is just that. I can bring a property to the platform. I can market it, put it on the plat, put it on the marketplace. I can send it out to my network. But then Reed, I can come and I can find you and I can see, okay, Reed has uploaded 500 contacts. I can't see who those contacts are, but then I can bring my deal to you. I can share it with you and say, hey, Reed, here's 123 Main Street, Austin, Texas. Uh, it's a two, three bed, two bath, whatever, whatever. Here's all the information about it. Can you share it with your network? And if you, if somebody from your network is interested in the property, I will split my profits with you in some way, shape or form, or I'll pay you a finder's fee or whatever it is. So we're allowing investors to do what they typically do off market, off offline, where they go to one another and say, hey, can we do a deal together? We're bringing that online and we do it primarily through joint venture partnerships where I would partner with you and say, hey, let's help. Let's sell this property to our contacts together um, or let's go into business together as joint owners of this property and and sell it. So that post sharing and the ability to send out your posts via our platform are the things that we're really trying to help differentiate us from the competition and really try to innovate on the bleeding edge of that frontier uh, that I think, again, is the last frontier in real estate. For those of you who are interested in staying up to date with all the latest happenings in my business, or to learn more about passively investing directly into my multifamily value-add deals, then head over to reedgoosens.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter. By signing up, you will automatically be notified about my new up-and-coming investment opportunities. You'll be able to stay up to date with all the latest real estate news here in the United States and much, much more. So head over to reedgoosens.com and sign up today. Now, back into the show. It's interesting because something comes to mind when, when you say that. It seems that the value of a town square would nearly need to be – it needs to be super local, right? Like Because if, if I am a guy – maybe maybe I, as I say this out loud, if I'm in, living in LA yeah. and I know the LA market really well and I fix and flip in LA, but yeah. like I want to get to Austin – you probably aren't going to be like, I've got 500 contacts in LA. Do you want Do you want something in Austin, Texas, Mister Seller? And yep. so they're nearly. Have you ever come across that issue, that hurdle of like, you know, when I when I think of the local real estate investment club, and there's always this, the the wholesaler there, and there's always a local flipper, and there's always you know the hard money lender, and they're sort of within their own little ecosystem within the city. And I and maybe I'm taking it talking out the side of my mouth. No, it, no, there might there might be other people who are live in New York or Florida who are wanting to do deals here or vice versa, and they want that platform to access. I, I don't know if you've come across that when real estate is so hyper-local. Yeah. So it definitely is hyper-local, but 
I've never had success in business unless I've partnered with somebody who has the connection with somebody else. So even if I was in LA with you, Reed, I, I would probably try to figure out who you are at one of these local RIAs so that we could do business together because you probably have a bigger network of more professional buyers than I do. So we definitely see pockets of investors working together within the LA market, within the Chicago market, within the, you know, all the Florida markets. But we also see people that are exchanging properties, buying and selling all over the country. You know, we have a guy that's in Texas right now that is selling properties, buying and selling small multifamilies um, in every single major and secondary market across Texas and almost all of the major markets across Florida. Um, hmm. So his ability that we provide him to connect with the people that have boots on the ground there in those cities and his ability to connect with them via a deal, not just a phone call of, Hey, I'm a nice guy. Can we work together when I get a deal, but connecting on the deal by deal basis has really helped their businesses. So yeah, I think that we, we really help satisfy two different things that is connecting in that hyper local market but then also allowing the people that do business outside of just where they have their feet on the ground, um, helping them connect with the experts that do have their feet on the ground in those other places. Right, right. How many transactions have you facilitated today? Yeah, so we're forming connections between the investors. That's what we're tracking is how many connections where I have a property to sell and I bring it to you, Reed, and then you take it to your network. Uh, about 120 of those happen every month, uh, and it's growing every single day, thankfully. Um, and we just started in July. So we're, uh, we, we've gone through a bunch of different iterations of the business, like we've said here on the show. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the last iteration that we're really pushing hard on, uh, we launched in July. So we've grown from zero connections to 120 per month uh, in five months. So that's we're great. happy about that's, that. It's, it's that's very good growth. And are you trying to be a, you know, a fee-based platform where I've got to pay to come on or is it more free to everyone give it away for free and then start to monetize the data and all the contacts that you get. So right now it's just a pure SaaS product, monthly right. membership, sign up and have access to all the tools that I just mentioned, have access to the marketplace um, and the tools to make those connections. Um, there's some really big opportunities that we were kind of riffing on before the, the show here. Um, one of the big initiatives that we're pushing for that I'm pushing the company towards is we want to be a place for only professional deals and only professional real estate investors. That is both the seller who's selling the deal and the buyer who's buying the deal. And I think that once we achieve that, we're not there yet, but once we achieve that, there will be a great opportunity for us to say, we're providing so much value that we do deserve to make some kind of transactional revenue because it is only professionals communicating on a deal by deal basis. And then I think there's an even bigger opportunity for us to offer lending services and some kind of financial services on each property. Um, but to answer your question point blank, right now, it's just a monthly membership to have access to the platform and we're working our butts off making it better. What's uh, what, what's that cost someone these days? Yeah, 149 a month. 149 a month. You know, I, I, as a non-prop tech guy, like my, you know, they always say give it away for free and see who comes. And I, and I wonder if there's a version or a watered down version to sort of you know tease the the customer into hey come on it's free for the first three months and see you know see the value we provide and um, because you, you mentioned CRM there's clearly like some sort of tool that you could CRM it 
together, being sort of yep. one and one and one and the same. But very, it does seem like a great opportunity for wholesalers and local flippers to to get into that market. And and I think as you start infiltrating and, and getting the right, and this is my two cents, you know, going to those lo- you know, converting the local rears into this online networking event. Like I, I just go back to my first ever rear event in New York City. Yeah. And there I'm there, you know, talking with hard money lenders and the the buyers and the sellers of these single families, and you're sort of trying to create that online. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. I think I think it's very powerful. I think that it can be very powerful, but it's also getting getting your product into those rooms now as people are, are networking, which will help that grow and the understanding of where the go to online forum for that. So, absolutely love yeah, it, my certainly. friend. Thank what you. Are you? Yeah, we we do have. Uh, sorry to interrupt. No, you. I apologize. Um, we do have a free version, and the free version mm. does allow you to get your properties on the platform. It's not like I never want to charge anybody because the data is so available, uh, so valuable. I never want to charge anybody for saying I have a property that is only on Town Square that is not on the MLS that is for sale. Like that's always going to be free because that's so valuable to everybody. Anybody who touches real estate, that's a valuable transaction. So yeah, that will always be free. And we do have a 30-day free trial uh, that we are known to extend in exchange <laughs> for getting feedback from our users. So yeah, we we have tested exactly what you were recommending is like, okay, how do we get the most people on here as we possibly can? And giving it away for free for a shortish period of time has really worked out well for us. We've had over 800 people sign up uh, since July. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I know part of the one of the big things when you're doing an online tech company and really on most, most companies, as you start producing a SaaS product, it's all about marketing dollars, right? You go and spend a ton of money on on just getting the name out there, Town Square, Town Square, Town Square, Town Square. So what yeah. are you doing now you know, of, to, to sort of get the name out there as much as you can? Because I'm assuming your marketing budget is is the largest uh, on the P&L. Yeah, actually, we're very fortunate that the fix and flippers, the wholesalers, the guys that control that frontier of real estate, the small multifamilies and the single family homes, they all really congregate online. So mm. We've had a lot of success working with um, social media influencers and paying them as affiliate partners to promote Town Square across their social media. You know, we have a couple affiliates that the second that they make a post, we'll see 20, 30, 40, or 50, maybe 100 people sign up the, the second that they make a post about us. So wow. there definitely is a calculation, like the customer acquisition cost definitely takes into account what we pay pay out to our affiliates. But I'm happy to say I'm not plowing a bunch of money into Facebook or Google ads or YouTube ads or Instagram or any of that stuff right now. Um, The other big expense that we definitely take into account with customer acquisition cost is we've had a lot of success joining masterminds. Um, Mm. There are some really prominent masterminds that house the the guys at the tip of the spear in the fix and flip wholesaling uh, smaller single family home world. Um, And by joining those masterminds, you know, we spend a couple thousand dollars a month for each mastermind, but we have instant credibility to say we're a part of XYZ masterminds. Um, So yeah, great question. I'm, I'm happy to say that we're not spending a bunch of money on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google pay-per-click, all of that stuff. Not yet. (laughs) Yeah, not yet. Not yet. It's coming. I'm sure it's coming. (laughs) No, I I think, I think it's smart. I think it's what you, you angle the influences and getting into those masterminds to, as you said, the tip of the spear, 
perfect. I, I could, you know, as a as a pseudo VC pitch, this interview is, you know, like you, yeah. you, it, it, it's a it's a very uh, it's a very good uh, very good answer because I think that's 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 probably where my next question is because it, it, those masterminds these days are so powerful. And you met, you mentioned collective genius. We had a gentleman who um, gave us an endorsement for the book Ten Thousand Miles: The American Dream. Yeah, uh, who one of the co-authors who's Australian. Bryce, he's been on the show. He knows him very well. So yeah. I know you're part of Collective Genius and it's uh, yep. it's, it's an incredible mastermind. So, yeah. mate, look, uh, last question before we get into the lightning round is, you know, what, you mentioned you want to go global or, or what's the what's the big the audacious goal here? Yeah. So I think there's a humongous opportunity for us to take what the MLS should have been if Zillow would have really stepped in and really made a, a nationwide MLS and didn't have the National Association of Realtors looking over their shoulder and controlling all the data, I think there's a humongous opportunity for us to not just offer the marketplace, but continue offering these tools for the real estate investors that use the marketplace. And you know, I'll say the quiet part out loud, capture all of that data. The data is going to be so, so valuable. So my big goal for the business is to offer a marketplace with those tools built on top so that we can capture the 1.475 million uh, wholesale off-market transactions that happen every single year. And that way somebody can hold up their phone and say, what are all of the real estate agent transactions on Zillow? Okay, there's uh, 6.8 million of those happening every single year. Hold up my wife's cell phone. What are all the off-market transactions happening? I'm going to go to town square. That's that's my big goal for the business. And we're raising VC capital, as we discussed. So uh, we're looking for an exit or an acquisition or something of the sort eventually one day. But that's not on my radar right now. I have my head down and my thumb up saying we're going to get it. That's awesome, man. Well, look, I... I I'm very intrigued, and as I mentioned in the green room, you know, you can count me as an as a potential investor in the future. Awesome. So uh, keep keep me keep me in mind as, as you, you got keep it. growing, and we'll have to get you back on the show here uh, in a, you know, a year's time to see where see where you're at. I'd love but that. With, Thank you. With that being said, we like to end the show with the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Let's do it, mate. Question number one is: What's the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Being outside, 100%. It's being outside. Um, I'm kind of a broken record with this and my employees and all of my friends. I I read this book a couple of years ago called The Nature Fix that talks about the Mm -hmm. science of being outside and with the impact that it can have on you. Um, I don't really do anything else except for eat, sleep, work out, do town square and spend time outside with my wife. That's it. Like that is my life every single day, no matter if it's Saturday or if it's Wednesday, I'm doing the exact same thing. And it's either eating, sleeping, working on town square or spending time outside. And without that last little piece, uh, I wouldn't have been able to get to where I'm at today, or I'm very confident I wouldn't be able to get to where I'm going without spending time in nature. Love it. Love it. Question number two is who's been the most influential person in your career to date? Oh man, that's a hard one. Um, you know, it's kind of cliche to say, but I read back whenever it first came out the biography of Elon Musk and mm. his his like reserved, introverted way of running PayPal and Tesla and uh, SpaceX whenever he first started out, and then where he's at today, where everybody knows who he is, he's like the talk of the entire world. Um, I really like that, 
that idea of nobody knows who I am, I guess, uh, until I have really made it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that really drives me every single day is like, uh, I guess if I can say it as clearly as possible, um, I don't want anybody to know anything about me until I feel like I have actually provided value in the world. And I feel like that's what Elon embodies is that if you read his biography, the guy that was interviewing had the hardest time in the world, just getting him to sit down for an interview because he was too busy working. He was too busy making SpaceX and Tesla a success. Um, Having that story in the back of my mind at all times, I know it's cliche, but uh, I definitely like to follow Elon's footsteps. Yeah, like flying under the radar until it's until you, as you said, you've got something of value to show, and yep. then you can go bang your own drum. No, I love, I love that. That's that's such a valuable lesson, I guess, to take away yep. from Mister Musk. Um, as we sit question, on the podcast, <laughs> yeah, as we sit on the podcast, right? <laughs> Talking about the business that's only just started. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Look at me go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, as they say, say as I do, not as I say. Uh, do, right. do as I say, not as I do. Um, but, but question number three is, um, what is the most influential tool in your business? And when I mention tool, it could be a physical tool like a journal or a phone, or it could be a piece of software that you just can't run the business without. And it can't be Town Square. <laughs> no, no, all good, all good. Um, I have a couple, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so everybody hopefully knows about Loom. Um, yep. Loom is a screen recording software that I, our business, I didn't mention this, Read our, our business has been remote since day one. My mm. co-founder does not live near me. Our sales guys live all over the country. I have five employees in Pakistan. Every Everything about Town Square is remote. Our developers are all over the world, some in the US, some overseas. And the efficiency that Loom provides to show somebody exactly what's happening on your screen, see your face, see the inflection in your, hear the inflection in your voice. And it just helped with communication more so than I was ever expecting it to. So Loom is number one. Number two is Miro, M-I-R-R-O. Miro is like, imagine you and I could sit in a room with unlimited sticky notes and unlimited compute power uh, and a humongous whiteboard that's never ending. There's pretty much nothing we couldn't figure out our own answer to. That's essentially what Miro is. So my team and I use Miro for everything and we use Loom for absolutely everything. So yeah, Loom, Loom.com and Miro, M-I-R-R-O are my go-to tools for remote communication. I, so never heard of Miro, and I'll come back to that in a second, but, but Loom, for anyone who's listening, if you don't use Loom in your business, you're silly. It's it's free. It's I think it's free. I can't even yeah. remember. I'd probably pay a small amount of money a month, but I can quickly go on line or go on, share my screen, ex- get communicate exactly what I need to get done. And particularly if you use virtual assistants, one of the things I learned early on was that my virtual assistants were failing. It wasn't because of their ability to execute. It was because of my inability to communicate. And Loom 100%. helps me. Loom helps me communicate that more effectively. And now I have little less than 2% of questions come back when I send out a Loom video. But, but Miro is another one I'll have to definitely get my hands wrapped around. Um, question number four is, in one sentence, what's been the biggest failure in your career? And what did you learn from that failure? Yeah, that's that's an easy one. Uh, in one sentence might be a little bit difficult for me, but uh, I'll try. Uh, the biggest failure has been not knowing when to pivot or to change courses in the business, uh, period. Um, I'll add a little bit of color there. So 
we, we started out with that prediction algorithm. We very quickly pivoted away from that because COVID hit and the data got all messed up. After that, we went into this space of retail uh, sellers, helping retail sellers connect with retail agents. And we had a business model that I loved so much. I thought it was the coolest thing ever, um, maybe for another conversation. But I was so in love with that. And my business partner, our CTO, was also so in love with it that we just let it go on too long. And we almost ran out of money and we had to go raise money and we just weren't providing enough value to the market. So uh, not knowing when to pivot or not pivoting soon enough has been the the biggest failure or the biggest learning that I've had throughout my business career. It's interesting you, you bring up pivoting um, because I will, I will, will we'll sort of add something else to that and we'll, we'll wrap up the show here. But you also got to be an inch wide and a mile deep depending on you know, your expertise, right? Yeah. Now, for a technology company like yourself, I think pivoting is really important because I've, I've got personal friends who've, who've built technology companies and there's been 10, 15, 20 iterations of the company yep. as you refine it. And that's back to the strings in, or the fishing lines in the, in, in, the, in the water or the spaghetti against the wall. But yep. if you're, you know, in the physical you know, world, I'm, I'm, I'm a multifamily. Now I have other businesses that are growing around it, but the core nucleus of what we do is, is provide housing. Um, so there is, a, there is, depending on what business you're in is what I'm trying to say is depending on the pivoting. But as a, as a whole, as an entrepreneur, you have to be like a surfer and riding a wave and yep. being able to turn when it's a little choppy, you know, you know, ride the clear water when it's clear water and, and just be able to be malleable enough to um, react when market conditions change or when something's not working right, right? And you've yep. got to be able to move on. So I think it's it's really awesome uh, having the self-awareness to know to pivot as well. I think that's, that, that's important, right? Because you probably built self-awareness around that, looking back on oh, that yeah. and saying, gosh, we, sh- we should have, we should have uh, moved on a little quicker than that. Yeah, exactly. That, that is exactly what happened. And I, we, we've pivoted a couple of times since then, and I am 100% confident we wouldn't have been able to raise the money that we've raised or build the customer base that we've built in the last five months without the ability for Mitch and I and our sales team and I to sit down and say, this feels like 2020 and 2021. We can't do this. We can't do this. Run away, run away, pivot. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's been the one of the biggest failures, but also the biggest learning without a question is knowing when to pivot and going through that process. Process, and I'm better for it, no question about it. Love it. Mate, last question, where can people reach you to continue the conversation that would be in your sphere? Where do they go? Yeah, so you, anybody, anytime, anywhere can email me at paul at twnsqr.com. You can find our platform and everything that is related to Town Square at twnsqr.com. Uh, and then, like I said, I, I kind of try to stay in the shadows, at least when it comes to social media. I don't really have social media of my own. Um, maybe one day, whenever I reach Elon status, I'll get on Twitter. <laughs> um, but I don't have social media of my own, but you can find Town Square across social media. If you do have uh, the need to connect with me on social media, I do have a LinkedIn account. But Town Square is the place to find me and my team and check out our product and learn about what we're doing. Awesome stuff, mate. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the show. Just want to reflect a few of the things that I took away today because we've got two pages of notes here if anyone is following along on, on the YouTube awesome. video. But I just love, you know, your ability to be curious. And it's so, you know, if you've been listening to this show, all the listeners out there, the underlying theme of most of the entrepreneurs I interview is curiosity. Being curious, they say curiosity kills the cat, but that's just someone who doesn't want to, you know, doesn't know how to be curious. Um, but I think it's also the the, the the adage around what Casey Neistat was saying before about continuing 
to throw darts or throw spaghetti or put fishing line, put lines in the water to try something and you're continually pivoting. You started out with a sneaker business. You thought you needed to go to school to do, you know, X, Y, Z that your mum and dad said, go get a, a job, but it was your wife that pulled you back on the track and you've done, yep. you know, so many other things, a photography business and now into this. And I'm sure there's going to be pivots in the future. Um, so I think it's just a good lesson, not only around understanding and discovering who you are as an entrepreneur, because you you are young and, and, and we're all young and we're all trying to figure it out, but the resilience, I think, is the yep. most important thing to continue to keep going because there probably has been no amount of times, which you haven't talked about on the show, but I know it's there, that there's been dark days where you thought, I'm going to give it all up and, and, and go and just get a W-2. And, you know, clearly you're a smart bloke and go into a lab and, you know, become, you know, a, a mad scientist of, of world <laughs> economics or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. 100%. But, um, 100% yeah. The dark days have taught me a lot. Yeah. Did I, did I leave anything out in that little summary? No, no, I think that's everything. Curiosity is a great way of describing everything. I had never really looked at it from from that perspective, Reed. I appreciate that insight into myself, honestly. That's a, <laughs> one of the best podcasts I've done for that reason. <laughs> well, I also want to say is that I'm really interested just to, to, to end the final note here is to see how Town Square grows. I think it's such a – the platform itself is a need out there in the universe of connecting off-market buyers and sellers, particularly in the high-caliber like you're trying to do the high caliber type of like the LinkedIn of buying and selling, right? Exactly. You know, not everyone's on LinkedIn, but you know, people who are in the professional corporate world are on LinkedIn. Um, so I think having that version for fix and flippers for multi for investors who are serious yep. to get deals done, uh, I'll be very interested to see and watch from the sidelines and see how you guys grow. But with that being said, thank you so much for jumping on the show. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll catch up very very soon. Thanks so much, Reed. It was a pleasure being here, man. And I'll keep reading your newsletter and I'll be back soon, hopefully. Awesome, my friend. Well, look, um, there you have it. A cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Paul. Remember, if you do want to check out what he does, he's not on social media, which is very interesting because he does have a prop tech company, which you would think that everyone would be on social media. But head over to, or you can email him at paul, P-A-U-L, at townsquare.com. That's T-W-N-S-Q-R.com. Or you can go to townsquare.com uh, online, which again is T-W-N-S-Q-R.com. I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ and to learn a little bit more about how being curious is the right way of you know developing your entrepreneurial muscle, so to speak. Uh, and, and if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give it a five-star review on iTunes. All the links from today's show will be up on my website at reedgoosens.com. We're going to do this all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. <laughs>